The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Barely Filtered. Today, we have a very special guest on. His name is Dr. Kyle Landry. Dr. Kyle Landry was recruited by Dr. David Sinclair. You may know him as a professor in the Department of Genetics, but he's the co-founder of the Paul F. Glenn Center for Biology of Aging Research at Harvard Medical School. So he recruited Dr. Kyle Landry to do postdoctoral research focused on extremophiles. And I hope I'm saying that correctly, but they're organisms that prevent and reverse aging. Together, they initiated a partnership with government space agencies to address concerns associated with long-duration space travel. They were able to obtain access to novel extremophiles, one of which was developed into bacillus lysate, one of the patented ingredients of Delavi Sciences. So Delavi Sciences is what we're going to talk about today. It's their innovative skin care that was created with the goal of tackling common skin care concerns, particularly aging. So we're so excited to have you here today. Thank you for joining us. Okay, so this is one of my favorite topics. And, you know, people kind of think skincare, that's vain. Listen, this is science and longevity and health and keeping your skin healthy is like one of the most important. I think it makes you feel good. So yeah, look good, feel good, look good and feel good. I know you're you're a food scientist, right? Right. So tell me, what are you doing in this skincare world now? Yeah, we need a little bit of background. Uh, It's a crazy, (laughs) it's a crazy, crazy story. So I started off doing things not even related to skin, purifying enzymes, making disinfectants for bean sprouts, something not even related. (laughs) And then one day I get a call from a Harvard Medical School professor named David Sinclair. And he goes, hey, Kyle, you know, I'm reading some of your papers. You're the only person in the world doing some of the stuff. Do you want to come work with me in my life? Do you know who this man is at this time? No, I do. And who who is he? He's a very famous, you know, Time Magazine, most influential man I'm in the world. I'm obsessed with him. <laughs> yeah, he's, so I had no idea, right? So I go down, I tell my PI, I'm like, hey, I got this guy who just called me. Your PI, is this a private investigator? Uh, no, my, oh. it's my advisor. <laughs> my, not a PI. I, I thought this about it. taking no, a sharp no. turn. <laughs> <laughs> this is a restraining order. No, uh. just kidding. Uh, but I talked to my advisor. I said, hey, I, I have this guy calling me, offered me, you know kind of go to Harvard Med to, to work on some stuff. And she's like, who is this guy? So we Google him. And we're like, wow, he's like a pretty big deal. So of course I go there. And that was my first taste of longevity. And then from there, it kind of spun and morphed into a whole bunch of different projects, working with defense, special forces, military on like biowarfare mitigation type of thing. What did they care about longevity and so they aging did, well? <laughs> they didn't. But what, what happened was we filed a patent around the use of some enzymes to break down bacterial mass. And, you know, the military is trying to break down weapons like anthrax and the plague and stuff Got like it. that. So these enzymes, you know, were pretty effective at that. So that kind of went in that direction for a little bit. And then this led to us working with NASA. And at the time, the, the concept was, how do we clean the International Space Station? Because it's incredibly dirty. Mm, so just okay. think about it. You got a bunch of people living in a confined space. You know, it's a bioreactor everywhere. Bacteria growing mm. everywhere. Bacteria in the water systems. So we were working with them to, you know, to figure out how can we break this down for astronauts. And that's when we were introduced to the proprietary ingredient that's in our skincare line, bacillus lysate. So imagine this, you're a NASA scientist, you find some really cool bug in a spacecraft assembly facility. And you're like, wow, let me see how crazy this bug is. Let me send it outside up to space and put it outside the International Space Station. So they did that. So it's outside in yeah. actual space. It's yeah, outside yeah. So of the put, rocket ship or yeah, whatever. <laughs> so those, they blast it up there okay. and then they put it in like this little capsule that's like outside of the space station that exposes the bacteria to all types of radiation. When they bring it back down to Earth, it survived. Yeah, because isn't wow. it? Was I'm it just a cockroach? From, yeah, just no. like it. Because <laughs> from the movies, you, you're in the spacesuit. You're protective. Otherwise, you would freeze. Is that how you die? Freeze, radiation. Okay. I mean, you're getting bombarded by so many high-energy particles up there. And this survived This it. survived. So when it was brought back down to Earth, they found out that it actually blocked and absorbed UV. Oh. So they were like, wow, let's patent this as, you know, a potential sunscreen additive. 
And then they put it on the shelf because NASA and JPL are not in the business of making products. Yeah. So we were working with NASA and they were like, hey, want to look at this thing? This, we see this, you know, maybe impactful. So we looked at it and we're like, wow, okay. So we licensed it and we brought it into our lab. We worked on it. And then this is where Dave and I were starting to brainstorm. We were like, you know, if this could survive out in space, how is it protecting itself? What is it doing? So that's when we started looking at some longevity aspects mm. and we started doing a whole bunch of tests ranging from sirtuin activation, which are, you know, DNA repair type of housekeeping enzymes that are linked to longevity all the way to antioxidants and hyperpigmentation. And the results we found were crazy. Wow. So David and I were like, you know what, let's put this together into a skincare product because the results are so mind blowing. So we formulate a product that works synergistically to target all these things in your skin. And then we did a bunch of clinical studies and the results were wow. phenomenal. Question, so that's where we are. Question. Okay. Step back. What are you testing on? Like how, what is a study, a clinical study for skincare? What is that process okay. like? I have no idea. Okay. So yeah. if your products have clinical studies, you're lucky. Most of them have no backing or support or clinical testing. They base a lot of the claims on the ingredients that they put in there, uh. but not actually on the final mixture that you put on your face. So the way we do it is we looked at the ingredient. We started, you know, systematically looking at what's it do at a molecular level. So we looked at enzyme assays. We looked at gene expression. We looked at a whole bunch of different things. One of the things we found that was so fascinating was that the ingredient from space enhanced internal hyaluronic acid production by over 200%. Oh, wow. They got nice, juicy skin up That's there. That's right. Okay, nice so and plump. Can you explain what that means in layman's terms for anyone? Yeah, yeah. Like, so here, what does that mean? So most people buy hyaluronic acid serums yeah. with the hope that it penetrates into your skin, it hangs around long enough, and it binds water to make your skin plump. But there's a problem with hyaluronic acid. So here, here's how it works. The bigger the hyaluronic acid, the more water it binds. So the more plumping it has, but the bigger the hyaluronic acid, the less penetration you get in your skin. Mm. So oh. what they do in formulations is they put very small hyaluronic acid pieces. So it penetrates, but it doesn't bind as much water. So the plumping effect isn't as profound as with larger ones. So would you recommend an injection of hyaluronic acid rather than like a topical cream? Why would you need to inject it when you can use a product that tells your body to make its own? Oh. And that's what the bacillus lysate does and why it's so special, because it activates the pathways in your skin to make your body's own hyaluronic acid. So we confirmed this with tissue culture assays and enzyme assays. And then when we did clinical trials on people. After 20 minutes or 30 minutes of application, skin moisture and firmness is up 39%. And then it continues to build. Over Naturally. The Did you bring some of that with <laughs> <Yeah>. you? <laughs> Where is it at? Seriously. <laughs> what is this magic you speak of, you wizard? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So question, because someone in the skincare industry told me this once and it stuck with me, is a lot of these products are bullshit and just mostly water. Yeah, oh, you better believe so, it. So, so many people, you know, have these plethoras of skincares and a lot of it is bullshit. Yeah, correct? and they all use the same ingredients. So, you, I can go and buy the same vitamin C that another company buys and make a vitamin C serum. And the only difference would be the marketing spin. Mm. So why we're different and how, you know, we came for we came from a development drug type of background where we want to see proof of concept. We want to see efficacy before we jump forward with anything. Right. Cause we're not like marketers. We're scientists. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we started with the question, basically, how is this organism working? What is it doing? How does it survive? Then we found that it's really potent with skin. And then we made a skincare product. We're not trying to, you know, make a random product and attach it to someone. Right. I feel like we've seen that in so many different, I'm just thinking like Latisse and I know of a couple other, like just like accidental aesthetic treatments. It's like, oh, it was used to treat glaucoma, but it actually makes your eyelashes grow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think people will pay more money for that. So it seems like, I don't know, I'd rather go in that direction, but for our listeners, is there like one thing that you would say it should, it needs to have on the label or it should never have on the label when you're buying skincare? Yeah. So it all depends. So for people with sensitive skin, you know, fragrances, things that are irritants, I would stay away from. Our product actually has geranium oil in it, for example. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, geranium oil can be 
some people can be sensitive to it. So we're actually coming out with a sensitive skin version that doesn't have that in there. What is that ingredient? I've never heard it's of that. Dra- a geranium oil. It's yeah. like a, a flower, an oil from the geranium. And it's a great antioxidant, has good benefits for the skin, but it, it can be a potential allergen. Got it. Over chronic exposure. So, you know, we were sensitive to this and we were like, okay, let's make a sensitive skin version. And that was a whole other type of testing that you have to do for people who are already diagnosed with sensitive skin. It's so interesting because I'm more familiar with like the supplement industry and people kind of go after it for money and they're just like, I'm going to take this ingredient, this ingredient, this ingredient, and they have no data to back it up, no background. They'll just know a friend who knows a friend who happens to be, you know, have a doctorate or something. Like, can you just give us a quote? And then boom, now it's a study. Well, and also like a lot of the things, like the ingredients might be good, but the filler that they're using to bind, Mm. it makes it not absorbable from your body. That's what I recently learned from somebody that I know at Thorne Supplements, which which I love to take. But is there like a place in the world where you feel like they're doing the best skincare? So it all depends what you're looking at. Okay. So if you're looking at actives, so special products that no one else has, there are very few brands that actually have any patented proprietary ingredients. One of the biggest ones is Olaplex, for example, the mm-hmm. hair brand yeah. company, right? That was a bunch of scientists who happened to stumble upon some molecule that enhances hair. Mm-hmm. So it's the same type of concept with skincare. You know, you want to find something that is different. You don't just want mm-hmm. the same vitamin C, the same this, the same that. And in the industry, you can white label a lot of things too. So you can just have the same formulation put in a different mm-hmm. package and have a different spokesperson for it. And they can just highlight one or two different attributes that someone else isn't highlighting. So, you know, the, when you're looking in the skincare, there's like, my big thing is clinical data. Number one, Mm -hmm. you have to see that it works on people. If it doesn't work, you know, if no one's tested on people and they just say, oh, it's a strong antioxidant because it has vitamin C. Well, that's great. But does it still have that antioxidant potential in that formulation? Is the vitamin C still stable? You know, is the vitamin E oxidized? So it's not, you know, functioning anymore. Like you don't know, there's not a lot of data around, around that. So clinical testing is huge. And then evidence for any proprietary active ingredient. It's so interesting. Cause I think great news for you guys is more than ever, people are looking at ingredients, whether it's their food or their products. And they're wondering if it's clean is, is Delavie clean oh, yeah. and what makes it clean yeah, or so, not clean. So the word clean is like a, a black box here. So yeah. you can go by retailer clean, which, you know, you have Sephora clean and we fit in that box. But we also go above and beyond for additional certifications. So one of the main things now that people have focused on is skin microbiome. How many products are actually geared towards skin microbiome with data? You don't, you don't know, right? The products you're using that you've been using for, for a long time may have a negative impact on your skin microbiome. So we went out and had our products certified. They went through rigorous testing to confirm that they actually were beneficial for your skin microbiome, that they did not harm your skin microbiome. So that's a new check. The other thing is coral reef safe is something a lot of people think about with sun care and even general cosmetics. And you won't see a lot of cosmetic companies having their products certified coral reef safe because you don't know, you know, they, they may have some things in there that are not, and our products are certified coral reef safe. And what does that mean? So that means the compounds in there, there's nothing that has been shown to be harmful for the coral reef. So if you look at sunscreens, Mm. for example, Hawaii has banned a whole host of sunscreens because it washes off into the ocean and and kills them. But guess what? So does your serum. So does your lotion. So does your hair care products. Got it. And, you know, the sunscreen is just, in my mind, the tip of the iceberg for consumer awareness on what the, our skincare and our products are doing. I have so many questions about sunscreen because there's like this conspiracy that sunscreen is actually really terrible for you. That's like the new wave. What are your thoughts Kristen on sunscreen? Kristen loves right. a good conspiracy. Oh, no. so please, yes. please. Right, let me see if I can spice it up a okay. little bit in here. So sunscreen is very important because it's the only way to significantly minimize skin cancer, right? 80% of our skin aging, and you know, you can that 80% is actually pretty accurate of accelerated skin aging is all due to UV exposure. So you have UVA and UVB. UVB is what leads to dark spots and leads to potential skin cancer. 
And UVA is what cross-links your collagen and other things in your matrix to lead to wrinkles. Oh, we now hate UVA. We hate, we hate UVA. What's the difference between, aside from the um, effects, what are the causes? For like, where does UVA and UVB come from? It comes from the sun. Just the sun? So, or yeah. does it come from our screens? It, does it come so, like, the screens, everyone's like, oh, blue light, HEV. Okay, that's a little on one spectrum. But the majority of it all comes from the sun. Mm-hmm. So what's interesting, you bring up UVA. So another thing that the bacillus lysate does is that it stops the formation of radicals or, or oxidants that are formed from UVA exposure. But don't we need those if our body's making it in defense? You don't want... So when UVA enters into your skin, it actually makes a free radical that cross-links your collagen and leads to wrinkles. Mm. So this blocks the radicals from forming. So not mm. only do you help minimize UV exposure, but you also minimize these radicals that lead to wrinkles, and then you enhance hyaluronic acid production in your tissues to reverse that. Two more, two more questions about but the I could, sun. Well, I could go back to sunscreen <laughs> yeah, too. I didn't yeah. want to go into No, no, I love this stuff because I another conspiracy I heard is if you wear sunglasses, you're telling your body and you're outside, you're telling your body, you know, stop, make, stop in protection mode. You know, I'm protected by these sunscreens. So your body's not going to work, but you're still getting the effects of the sun. I was told, you know, you should never wear sunglasses actually your body should go into its natural defense without it. Is that a true or false? Or I don't does know. it make sense? I don't, I don't know anything about the sun and the <laughs> eyes there, but mm-hmm. I know that. So I don't wear sunglasses. Not yeah. that it matters, but that's because the bright sun doesn't impact me. It doesn't affect me as much mm-hmm. as other people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, overall, the skin is the main organ that gets hit with the yeah. sun. So you have to protect it some, some way. And sunscreen's the only way. Now, the problem in the U.S., why it's a hot topic controversy, is because sunscreen is considered a drug in the United States, where everywhere else it's cosmetic. Why is that? So the FDA actually regulates UV filters. This is why there's no innovation at all in the UV filter space in the United States. Mm. And why there's, you know, you're stuck with zinc and titanium and some of the chemical filters, and there's no real innovation. Because in order to innovate in this space, you have to go through basically a drug development pathway like you would for cholesterol medication to make something that sells for a dollar a kilo. So you would never make back your money Mm. in a reasonable amount of time for this type of, you know, innovation. So there's a lot of lobbying now and a lot of advocacy to actually remove sunscreen from a drug and make it a cosmetic so we can bring in all of the filters that are in Europe and in Asia that are better than yeah. some of the ones we have now, but yeah. we can't. Is there like a like a supplement or something oral or some other way to protect ourselves from the sun other than literally covering our skin? <laughs> so people say, you know, you can eat carrots or carrot, beta carotene, all these things that go to your skin. And these are carotenoids that it's orange pigments, similar to why leaves turn orange in Boston, that block and absorb the UV radiation. So that helps. Honestly, like, I don't think it's going to be as impactful as sunscreen. Mm-hmm. You know, that is a physical barrier. And if it, anything is in your skin, the UV still has to go through the skin to hit those compounds, right? It's not like it leaches out and it makes a coat on the surface of your skin. So there still has to be some absorption of UV for it to interact with any supplements that may be, you know, interacting with it in the skin level. So I would say, you know, just block it out and use mineral or mineral sunscreens are, you know, now considered the safer alternative Mm -hmm. than some of the traditional UV filters. But the problem with those is they're very pasty. Yes. Right. And they, and they give you like a sheer, like a white fat. I mean, and have you uh, ever taken a photo with a flash when you're wearing a lot of SPF? I mean, it's not a good look. I don't, I don't think you guys suffer from this, but I have a lot of hair on my arms. So, you know, all of a sudden my hair will be like glistening. Yeah. But you look like you get a nice tan. Like I have two kids. One of them's pasty and the other one is like, I don't know where she came from, but she looks like she's super dark skinned. And I'm always, this might tell me if this is wrong or right. I don't really worry about her in the sun because I'm like, she's got a lot of melanin in her skin. Do you think that like if you have more melanin in your skin, a.k.a. you have just darker skin, are you more protected from these harmful rays? It it does help. I mean, that's what melanin is for, right? It's meant to as a protection mechanism. But unfortunately, we're out in the sun for a very long period of time. And I'm sure, you know, if you've seen, 
I don't want to say the movies do it right, but people who are out in the sun for a long period, everything dries out. Mm -hmm. The barrier breaks down. You know, leathery. Our, our body yeah. can only do so much. Yeah. Right. So. Well, what else can we do aside from sunscreen? What else can we do? Because you started off in food. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about food a yeah, little bit. Mm -hmm. What's some like do's and don'ts? I want to hear your thoughts because I have been starting to eat meat a ton and I love it. I am shedding my baby weight. I, and of course I have it all, you know, naturally sourced, grass fed, all mm -hmm. the things, just bought a cow, really, really excited about it. What are your thoughts on meat? Is it, does it help with the aging process? Does it hurt it? So this is a, a controversy. Yeah. So I'm going to say one thing. We like thing. controversy here. I'm going to say one thing, <laughs> everything in moderation. So at, we tend to like zoom in on the most granular aspect and try to break it down to the nitty gritty type of thing where in fact, moderation is key. So meat though, they have a lot of saturated fats. There's a lot of pro-inflammation type of things in red meat that can lead to, you know, in, promote inflammation in the body. But if everything is in moderation and you balance that out with fruits and vegetables, now you're taking in antioxidants, you're taking in fiber, you're taking in things that minimize or mitigate some of the inflammatory things in food. So when you talked about what's in supplements and how it minimizes absorption, how does Honey Nut Cheerios minimize heart disease? It doesn't. <laughs> no, you know how they advertise? They help yeah, slow. Yeah. It does because the fiber that's in the oats when you eat it actually traps cholesterol in your intestines and slows down its absorption in the mm. body. So when you eat certain foods that have high fiber, insoluble and soluble fiber, you actually minimize or control the dilution and diffusion of nutrients in food products. Mm -hmm. So if you eat a lot of fruits and vegetables, you're getting a lot of fiber. Now you eat a lot of saturated fats. Some of that's going to get trapped in there and it's not going to be absorbed mm. as much per se as if you just ate, you know, a cube of fat. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, you know, everybody says everything in moderation and I get it. But I listen to people like Huberman and I just watched yeah. this documentary on the centenarian, mm -hmm. centenarians, yes. I say that right, yes. the blue zones. And this guy really believes that like drinking a glass of red wine a day is good for you. And I know Sinclair loves the resveratrol, mm -hmm. which is the compound in red wine that's an antioxidant. But then you have somebody like Huberman who says you'd have to drink like gallons of red wine to get the amount that would mm -hmm. give you any benefit. Do you have a stance on alcohol? Yeah. So one thing, alcohol is a known carcinogen. Right. It is a known toxin that kills you. So just take that <laughs> yeah. as, it, as it is. So, you know, the, amount of, the amount of red wine you would need to consume to get any health benefits would, you know, you'd be dead. From alcohol <laughs> yeah. poisoning. But there is something to stressing the body. So, you know, chronic low dose stressing. So if you step back, right, and look at like cold plunges mm -hmm. or exercise, hyperbaric chambers, all these things, it's putting controlled stress on your body so that it can adapt. Mm -hmm. Now, a glass of red wine, yeah, alcohol is a carcinogen, but they, that may just put enough stress on the body to help elevate certain defenses. Oh. So, you know, why do we do, like, why do we run? Like, our body is not, like, we're designed to run and move, but when we stop exercising, we lose all our muscle mass because our body doesn't want to maintain something that it doesn't have to. It wants to use the lowest amount of energy to stay happy and complacent. So a big theory with food and in longevity, it's shown, you know, calorie restriction is, the, is one of the only, if not the only proven ways to extend lifespan. Mm. And why is that? You're putting a stress on your body and your body's like, well, wait a minute. Yeah. I have to be more efficient. I have to be prepared for things because I'm not getting 5,000 calories a day where I don't have to do anything. So when you start fasting, intermittent fasting, or just overall calorie restriction, your body's like, whoa, I'm, I'm on defense now. I need to upregulate all of these things that lead to, you know, you being a little more alert, you having a little more energy. And at first, you know, you're slumping until your body kicks up like two or three weeks later. And then all of a sudden you're like, it's wow, amazing. I have all this energy. And that's because <clears throat> now your body has to make it instead of relying on your Twinkies that you're yep. eating. Yeah. With refined sugars that instantly go in as energy. Can you explain? Because I just posted about intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of it. Can you explain what intermittent fasting is and the, I mean, you kind of just explain the benefits. Yeah. Can you explain what it is and how it works? So intermittent fasting is just, 
you know, the, the easiest way to, to do it for people is, you know, you, you eat maybe at five or six o'clock and then don't eat until maybe late morning or lunchtime. And most of it is sleeping. So you're not dealing with the pain. And then in the morning, you're really hectic and you go forward and, and then you have a, you know, a decent lunch or, and then you have a decent dinner. Now people may be thinking, wow, that is crazy. That's crazy. Well, if you look at it, it's recommended 2000 calories a day. Anyone who's actually counted calories will realize 2000 calories is not a lot of food. Mm -hmm. So just going from the American or the Western diet to the recommended 2000 calorie plus or minus maybe 200 calories, depending on your own body, that in itself would be intermittent fasting for most people mm -hmm. in the United States, honestly. That's wild. So just trying that without thinking, well, I can only eat in lunchtime or a little salad at lunch and, and dinner the night. And just trying to dial back or being aware and conscious of your calories, you know, will help you get in that routine, right? Because once you're in a routine, then you want to keep changing it. It's very hard to go from zero to 100 miles per hour, right? Mm -hmm. If you're eating a regular diet, then all of a sudden you're like, I'm going to 1,800 calories. In two days, you're going to be like, screw this. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then you just People binge give it. Up. Yeah, you yeah. just give up. But if all of a sudden you're like, okay, I'm not going to eat past 7 o'clock. Now I'm not going to eat past 6.30. Okay, wow, I do that for a little bit. Now I'm going to get rid of this, get rid of that. You know, there's an old adage I like to say, inch by inch, life's a cinch. Yard by yard, life is hard. Oh. So this can be applied to anything, exercise, diet, yeah. even work, mm -hmm. right? Everyone has the end goal, but they're not thinking about all the little steps to get there. What do you think is the pro and con? A trend that you see, whether it's in food or mm -hmm. cosmetics and skincare, that's trending, you're like, ooh, we should really avoid this. And a pro, something that you think is a good trend people are starting to become aware of. So for skincare, I think most of the consumers now are looking for science-backed evidence. They're looking for data. They're not relying on marketing as much or a celebrity saying, hey, I use this, but in fact, they don't use it. Mm -hmm. They use something that's $1,000. Yeah. <laughs> they don't use the $4.99 lotion that you can buy there. So a good trend that I see from the consumer side, not just product, but consumers is they're taking the, their, their own like responsibility. Mm -hmm. they're, they're doing their due diligence on the products. They're calling things out and that's shifting the industry more towards this, you know, data driven, data focused. And we put all our data on a website so people can go and see all the clinical trial data, all the mm -hmm. event stuff for that. The other thing people I see in the space is that they're more aware of where their things come from. So this kind of goes with the science angle, but they're more aware of, you know, sustainability, ingredients. I mean, California with the red food dye and all the other stuff mm -hmm. that, you know, that's a big deal. That's been it's huge up in question for a very long time. I like how they're like, Skittles are going to be banned starting 10 years from now. It's like, okay, well, so just like for the next 10 years, we'll just like, you know, you yeah, guys are just, just die gonna, a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, they have them in other countries where those are banned anyway. Yeah, so there totally. are alternatives. And yeah, your Cheetos may not be as, your Flaming Hot Cheetos may not be as red. R.I.P. the red fingers. <laughs> or your Skittles may not be as red. They may be a little more pink or kind mm -hmm. of purplish hue. But that's, you know, a start. That's, yeah, that's yeah. Getting I love steps. it. Yeah. Um, okay. I just wanted to, because we had talked about food and then we kind of pivoted. Yeah. But no, I like, want to go back to this too. Yeah, I just wanted to ask, like, give me a handful of things that you think are superfoods for your skin. Okay, so the first one is water. Okay. Not that's what not kind of water. That's not a food. Uh, can we go into detail about water? Because that's a whole other thing. Oh, well, you can you can go down the <laughs> rabbit hole there and have pH adjusted, reverse yeah. osmosis. What's an ideal water? If you were to say this is where you should get your water, the type of water, what kind should we get? So I'm a tap water person. Believe uh, me. And you live dun, in Boston? Dun, dun, dun. Are you sure? Yeah, listen, listen. I I love the taste of the pipes. Oh, okay. the, but at okay. work, at work we have Brita filters and we have things. Like I'm from that. Rhode Island. We're both from Rhode Island. For yeah. those of you listening, and it's so true. Like I love the tap water in Rhode Island. And when my when I'd bring back my ex husband, he'd be like. Because he knows I'm bougie. Like, I have, like, an alkaline osmosis yeah. filter at my house. He's like, you like this water, but you have, like, a $2,000 filter in our house. And I'm like, this is nostalgic. Yeah. It tastes like I'm getting some minerals that are good for me. Or something in yeah. there. It tastes good. But water in general, to start off with, just at the beer level, 
just drinking more water will bring more moisture to your skin and will start plumping it. You start just accumulating it and it helps overall. It, it even like whitens your eyes. It does a lot. It does yeah, everything. <laughs> it, flushes, it flushes all the toxins out. You go to the bathroom all the time. Helps with a lot of hey, things. That's the, I don't drink water just so I don't have to go to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> What's, what is it? You want your pee to be clearer or more yellow? Clear. What's clearer. Yeah, if that means more you're yellow, it's more concentrated. Got it. Of the urea in the, the stuff in the body. You really didn't know that fact? I'm, I'm like, doing it just in that, case someone else like doesn't know. That's like human being 101. I know this, but maybe someone <laughs> listening doesn't override. Well, <laughs> go just, ahead. <laughs> just in case, you never know. I cover it all. So that's, uh, that's a big thing. The other thing are, you know, berries. Berries are my favorite. They're the go-to. They're full of antioxidants. They're full of other components in there that help activate certain pathways in the body. Very, very excited with berries. And then, of course, just fiber. And you may say, why fiber with the skin? What is going on there? Fiber just keeps things moving. Mm -hmm. And if you feel less bloated, if you feel less down in the dumps, your face is going to reflect that. No pun intended. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no. Sorry, guys. I, okay. I have a five-year-old boy. <laughs> so what are good sources of food that are a good source of fiber? So anything like lettuce, kale, anything that is high in cellulose, beans, bean sprouts. Berries have stuff in there, but it's not it's not as robust as mm -hmm. the roughage as my grandma. And my say. mom loves that the, word too. Oh, what is it with the roughage? roughage. I, I feel like I'm going to say that. going down or rough going out? <laughs> yeah. Which one is it? It's rough <laughs> hearing you say roughage, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, you New Englanders. So funny. I was actually listening to you on the way here and I'm like, I, I hadn't seen a picture of you or anything and I assumed you I were- I recognize the accent. I, the accent, but also I thought you were much older. There's something about like Boston people and like, this guy, I don't know if he's been through some shit, but he's, he's putting got space stories. bugs on his face. He's got, that's yeah, why I mean, he's, it's like the New England, they skin. just like, you just know they it's got the wisdom. It's the snow. It's the snow. They're all a little angry, the mass holes, but I love them. <laughs> okay, so we drink water. We, yes, we've drink so far, water. we've gotten to water. What else do we need to ingest in, rough, in roughage? Roughage fiber. in berries and, and fiber. Berries. I would minimize alcohol okay. as much as you can. If that, we do drink, what type should we drink? Well, I would say red wine, just to, okay. if there's any chance of any bioactive going in there. But again, moderation. I mean, mm -hmm. one beer is not going to kill you. A beer. One beer. He said beer. He said yeah. a beer. Where he yeah, red. Red. Maybe, maybe a black beer will kill you, but not, not, <laughs> yeah, a, not exactly. another beer. <laughs> All the dad jokes over here. We got a lot of kids in this room, guys. Yeah. Um, um, okay. So red wine, if you're going to drink anything, that was my favorite. I had to stop drinking. See, I, I like the everything in moderation, but you really got to know yourself because like for me, moderation just wasn't really, it's not, it wasn't in the cards for me really. Yeah. You know, it's like, and, or like I become paranoid about like, is this one glass of wine going to be bad for me? Is two glasses of wine going to be bad for me? And then when you're paranoid, that's stress. So, you know, I think you just, you really got to like meditate on it and figure out like. And stress affects the skin. Oh, Can you talk a little bit about stress and or birth control? Because that's a big thing. If you have any knowledge on that, I know that's I know, another rabbit hole. He's I like, I will that. not go I, there. I'm not <laughs> but going. the skin, you yeah. know, that's a hormone, big complaint. The hormones, hormone changes we'll impact the skin. Yes. And uh, microbiome also impacts the skin. And then if you have dysbiosis, which is unbalanced of your microbiome and you have hormonal changes and you have bad eating habits, all of that compiles and leads to ugliness. I don't know, <laughs> not good. ugliness, but issues. And people yeah. always ask me like, what's like something I should do to my skin? It's like, it really does start from the inside out because yeah. you can buy a miracle cream for a thousand dollars. But if you're stressed at work and you're not working out and you're not doing things in moderation, that stress is going to breathe through your skin, right? So you hit it right on the head. People are so used to buying something to put a bandage on something. Mm. They buy products. They buy six, seven, eight products instead of addressing the root cause. Now, of course, aging, it is what it is, but the stress, lifestyle, all those things are having detrimental impacts if you're out of whack. And instead of adjusting those, which will help you holistically as a whole person, you try to buy something to slap it on mm -hmm. and to fix it. So what I, what I tell people, because people ask, how do I start? What do I do? It's like, okay, well, try to dial back what products you use to see which ones you actually need. Because what happens is you start with one, then you try another and you're afraid to let that one go. You don't so, know what is what's you working. Know, so you end up taking six, seven, eight things and you don't even know what's going on mm -hmm. if you even need it. So, you know, cut them back. And the basic thing would be a general moisturizer. 
a good cleanser, and then a, a general good serum to try. Like three things to do, you know, a cleanser to prep the skin, a serum to get some type of active, and then a moisturizer to seal it in. So I'm not hearing an, an exfoliant, no chemical exfoliant, no retinol. Well, the, you don't, so you can use them, but you don't know if you need them at first, right? Mm. So you can keep it simple and then try to do small changes to your diet and see what happens. Right. You know, if it takes like a week or two, sometimes, you know, your skin has to adjust, it has to purge, it has to go through all different phases. So some people will stop using a product or they'll use a product for like a day or two. They have like a blemish and they think it's from the product mm-hmm. or they think it's because they stopped it when it could be something else. So give it time, reset, and then say, okay, how am I doing? How do I feel? How's my diet going? How's my sleep? Am I drinking enough water? These are the three basic products I'm using. How is it going? Right. And then from there, you can add on a retinol or a mm-hmm. vitamin C right. or something like that. And I, what's, what's the shelf life of your products? So it's oh, Mine's over a year. Our products okay. are over a year. And they're specifically designed for 30 days. And what's cool is the serum has a proprietary dropper that gives you the exact amount oh, needed wow. every time. Oh, I like that. Love that. That was used for the clinical testing. So as you know, with products, you get this random eye drop. Yeah. You don't know if you're using too much, too little. So you tend to use two, three times the amount. And then you burn through the product faster. Oh, yeah. You know, it's kind of like a, a and, hook. To and, and I have a question, too, because I went through, I was just cleaning out my medicine cabinet. I was like, oh, my God, so much stuff was expired. And I had no idea. Can you... Tell us like maybe some cons about that. Like, is it really, is it going to maybe make her face worse? Like, I didn't even realize I was using, you know, something that was two years old. So if you use your finger in the product, you're always putting bacteria in the product every time you use it. Oh, give us all the tips. Now there are preservatives in cosmetics, right? They do. So like probiotic cosmetics, it's kind of a gray area because there should be no live bacteria in a cosmetic product. So how is it a probiotic? Because mm. probiotics are living organisms. Right. So you'll see a lot of brands say probiotic, this and that, but they're not really. And that's because there's no regulation in the cosmetic space. Oh. In the food space, there's regulations, you know, kind of guidelines. In the cosmetic space, kind of the Wild West. So people like to jump on these buzzwords. Uh, prebiotics or things that promote skin microbiome are more realistic in a cosmetic product than a probiotic. But every time you use it, whether it's your finger or you use a tool, you keep putting it in, you constantly seed it with bacteria. And over a year or two years, maybe that antimicrobial system is breaking down. So now all of a sudden you have a lot of bacteria on there. So like a great example, this, I did this to myself. I I picked it. I found an old razor and I needed to shave. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was like, this looks sketchy. <laughs> I don't know what's on here. There's some crust. There's a whole bunch, but I got to use it. I broke out the next day. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. all the bacteria that was on there was eating all the dead skin cells and all right. the stuff that was. And then I literally just put it into my skin right. with micro cuts. Wow. And that's an example of finding something with bacteria and it impacting your skin. Well, and also like. I do my makeup in the car and I leave my makeup in the car all day long and And the car gets hot. Yeah. So that's a whole other thing. So like when you do cosmetic testing for shelf stability or period after opening or just general stability, they test it under certain conditions. We don't test like the tests aren't required for 120 degrees in -hmm. your car for eight hours. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you have like phase separation. So you'll buy a product maybe. You leave in your car, and then when you go to squeeze it, just liquid comes out. Or it's like yellow. Yeah, like mm-hmm. separated. Because all the things are breaking down. Mm-hmm. The emulsion system's breaking down. Wow. And then now the actives are breaking down too. Oh. So the things like vitamin E, vitamin C, even some enzymes could all be broken down and not even function because they were destroyed from sitting in the car for wow. five So years. like if you're using products that have expired or they've been in a hot car, is it just breaking out that's going to happen to you? Because I don't really feel like I get acne from bacteria stuff. I know what my acne comes from, and it's always the hormonal mm-hmm. cystic type stuff. So, like, is that how that manifests? So, acne? so that's that's not the main thing that that can drive it. But basically, what you're going to use is a product that's actives are broken down, so there's no beneficial product there. And then it'll just start to smell like you can smell a product that's gone bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you put it on your face and then you just smell like that. It's mm-hmm. almost like a stale 
nacho chip or something. You know, like when chips go rancid, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like some type of, like, yeah. you smell and you're like, this doesn't smell good, but I'm going to put it on anyway. See, nachos never stay long enough to get stale in my house. So I don't think I know <laughs> that smell. <laughs> but does yeah. it make your skin like age faster if you're using so those products? So it can be a pro-inflammatory agent, right? It could cause problems. It could shift the, the microbiome on your skin to allow harmful organisms to grow instead of the, the beneficial ones. Mm which then those organisms secrete compounds that cause problems. Got it. So like the gut brain connection is a huge thing. Oh but yeah. But the skin bacteria connection is just as big. You know, think about it. You go to different countries and you use their water or you use something else. Your skin has to adapt and adjust to all mm-hmm, these things, mm-hmm. right? And, and it's the same thing with the, the bacteria on your skin. And if people are thinking, well, I don't understand how I, I don't, I've never experienced the shift. Well, if you've ever tried to become a vegan or vegetarian, the first two weeks, you're full of gas. Yeah. Because yeah. the gut bacteria have to adjust and change to break down those carbohydrates. When normally, when you just start doing it, the bacteria are unoptimized for that. So you get a lot of gas. That's why, you know, vegetarians aren't, aren't like, well, Fart all the time because I eat beans. <laughs> yeah. No, the gut microbiome has changed and shifted. We don't hang out with her. She's a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, because I'm a big believer in gut health, is yeah. what are your thoughts on colonics? Because I I do them regularly. I love them, and I I I think my skin glows because of it. It's also really hydrating. Yeah, yeah. But it, I know that's also controversial. What are your thoughts on those? So flushes and changes. You're basically removing yeah. junk that sits right. Your colon and your intestines get beat up all the time because your feces are full of toxins and they sit in there. Mm-hmm. But aren't they supposed to? Isn't that like what it's for? Yeah, yeah. They, they're supposed to sit in there. But if you eat a lot of foods that promote carcinogens or mutagens or inflammatory agents that are not normally originally in our diet, when we ate like seeds and grass and berries, right? Mm. Think about like our bodies evolved to do a certain thing. And then within a short period of time, our diet completely changed. Mm-hmm. Our bodies yeah. will not adapt fast enough. Okay. You know, to, to compensate for that. I mean, grilling, nothing wrong with, with meats, but grilling meats on the grill produces a lot of carcinogens and a lot of mutagens. And that's, you know, one of the reasons they believe red meat consumption is linked to colon cancer mm. because now you're eating all these carcinogens in red meat that sit there. Mm-hmm. And then if you drink a lot of alcohol and you have all the other things that just sit there and fester and cause problems. But I, I support anything that flushes bad things out. But yeah. do, you, do you think it's flushing the good things out too? Not, not really because most of the good things have already been absorbed in the small intestines mm. by the time, you know, I mean, it goes through the system, but I think, doing a good flush to kind of reset and then following up with like kombucha or yogurt mm-hmm. or something that helps colonize. It doesn't, I don't want to say colonize, but puts enough good bacteria in there to kind of adjust because there's probiotics are transient. So you can eat it for two weeks. The gut, the, the bacteria will be detected. But then if you stop two weeks later, they're not there. Mm-hmm. Got it. Because you have so much bacteria present, it's hard for them to gain a foothold in your intestines. So, you know, chronic consumption, whether it's a kombucha tea and a yogurt once a day or eating a lot of prebiotics. So these would be high fiber products like lettuce, mm-hmm. carrots, basically. And our fermented foods, right? Like the kimchi and sauerkraut. Yeah, so those, so those are probiotics okay. because they have a lot of bacteria. But the other thing, bacteria is good. Can yeah, we yeah, explain? That's good yeah, bacteria. yeah, there's so good bacteria. There's very good bacteria. I mean, we would not really be alive without bacteria. Mm-hmm. The bacteria, you know, you get inoculated during birth through the vaginal canal. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. And then breast milk helps control that and shift the gut microbiome to be beneficial. And then eventually, when you introduce food, there's another big shift in the population. That kind of primes the infant. And then when they start licking the airplane seats and yeah. like, so, like so, my, so with my kids, I let them go wild. So <laughs> as, as a microbiologist and by, by train, I'm a food scientist, but I'm actually in microbiology. I let them eat dirt. Oh, I hey, let them you heard it here, folks. Chew, chew their shoes. You know, they're in daycare, so they get bombarded by viruses and stuff all the time. But, you know, I let them chew on sticks. Yep. I won't let them eat them. Yeah. But 
You do draw a line. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't let him eat the sticks. Hey, listen, if you can chew and swallow that stick, (laughs) I'm impressed. Yeah, you go. (laughs) No, 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 because I believe in that type of, you know, because again, we evolved this way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Two other questions, just because I know these are big ones. If you ever go to a facialist, they're always like, Mm -hmm. you should cut out dairy and maybe gluten. What do you think about dairy and gluten for skin? So again, these are more inflammatory, uh, inflammatory agents. They help drive the cortisol. They drive other things that lead to inflammation. They can also lead to breakouts if you have like minor allergies to those things. And a lot of people have allergies that aren't necessarily strong enough to cause acute symptoms mm-hmm. right away. Mm-hmm. But chronic exposure will lead to buildup and, you know, you can have them in the skin and stuff like that. Gluten is the same. You know, gluten, I'm kind of kind of controversial here. Yeah, I don't think same. it's as bad as people you know, put it out as most people don't even know what gluten is. I could tell you a whole lecture about yeah. gluten. I am fascinated by that too. Like my ex would be like, is rice gluten? I'm like, you is it wheat? You don't no, even know. it's not gluten. <laughs> but also I have the edit. My controversy theory is we're not allergic to gluten. You're just allergic to all the fucking pesticides that they're spraying all over the gluten. So that's what your body doesn't like. Mm. So there's, yeah, there's, there's, there's all, so what the, the thing you just highlighted is the problem mm-hmm. is that we don't step back and look at the whole system. We narrow down on one thing Mm -hmm. and we say that one thing's the problem. It probably adds to it, but it's all the other things. Mm -hmm. It's the pesticides, it's the herbicides, it's the processing, it's the cooking process, it's the storage Mm -hmm. process, it's the bacteria on there producing toxins that they just produce naturally that are inflammatory in our bodies. It's the chronic consumption Mm -hmm. of high calorie foods and that our body just becomes sedent, not sedentary, but lazy yeah. mm-hmm. because it just does it. So it doesn't have the defense mechanisms mm-hmm. where it's more sedentary than we were before. Like, think about it. Most of our jobs now are sitting. Yeah. yeah. We're not out in the fields. We're not running. We're not taking, you know, cattle. We're not, we're not hunters and gatherers anymore. We're not fighting for survival. We're sitting here We're drinking sitting. <laughs> Mountain Valley water in an air-conditioned <laughs> yeah. building. Totally. I think it's you so know? interesting what you said about, like, you could be slightly allergic to something but not have, like, these big symptoms. Because yeah, yeah. I, you know that little prick that they do all mm-hmm. over your arm? And wheat, for me, like, popped up as, like, you're allergic to it. And I was like, oh, that must be an error because I eat bagels all day and I'm so healthy and I feel fine. And my skin was, had my hormones, like, mm-hmm. my skin had been weird forever. Went to this brain doctor and he's like, you have some inflammation in your brain. You, try cutting out gluten. I haven't eaten gluten for a couple weeks now and, like, my skin totally cleared yeah. up. And this has been, like, 10 years of me being like, why is my skin breaking out? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so my daughter had something very similar. So... She was slightly allergic to dairy. Wasn't enough to cause problems, but after chronic low-dose exposure, she would have like a coughing fit or something Mm. because all of the allergens would promote an immune reaction that would affect her her breathing. And Mm -hmm. that's something, you know, you won't know. Oh, it's, you know, pollen. Oh, it's just dry air, right? But it was that type of thing. And now, you know, we supplement it out and, and yeah. change it out and it's helped completely. And did you get the test for her, the allergy yeah, so test? She, she's allergic to a lot kids. of things. She's allergic to peanuts. She's allergic oh. to eggs. She's allergic to dairy. So basically she eats, I, I should basically eat like my daughter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> whole food. She'll eat raspberries, blueberries, and orange. I love uh, it. A piece of chicken and like pasta. That's so That's nice. amazing. And and she even eats grapefruits. A four and a half year old that's is, impressive. is pounding grapefruits. She's like, where's my green juice? <laughs> well, yeah, that's because she never had cookies. She never yeah. had cupcakes. Yeah. She can't have chocolate. So her sweet things are raspberries, blueberries, yeah. kumquats, yeah. grapefruits. And it's wow. it's just very interesting to see. And our youngest is a year and a half. She has no allergies. But we're doing like the same thing. We're just giving her grapefruits and mm. all this stuff. And Until she goes to a birthday party. Well, that's... Yeah. She's like, am I allergic? <laughs> then why aren't you giving no. me this? <laughs> so... Just kidding. You're allergic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. So basically what I'm hearing is it all comes down to inflammation mm-hmm. for skin, for your body, for longevity. Mm-hmm. If we can try our best to control our inflammation, whether it's colonics, our skincare, that is what can help help and contribute to a long, healthy, beautiful life. Yeah. And it's all moderation and yeah. it's all so many different factors. And like I said, inch by inch, life's a I love that. Try one or two, right? Maybe cut down 200 calories and maybe, you know, try to sleep an extra 30 minutes, just 30 minutes. And get Delavie Sciences skincare. And get <laughs> so the yeah. one thing I will say is that 
the skincare product, when we did the clinical trials, it, it was mind blowing. Where and can we get it? Now I'm like, I need so it. So you can get it right <laughs> on our website, dayliviesciences.com. How do you spell that? D-E-L-A-V-I-E sciences of life for life. It's the French oh, adage. And that's oh. because all of our ingredients come from novel life forms. What does that mean? So bacteria or fungi that are brand new to science. Oh. So for example, I went 5,000 feet below the surface of the earth in an abandoned gold mine looking for novel organisms mm. that could protect <laughs> your skin from oxidants. Wow. wow. This sounds legit. It's yeah. crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. Kristen loves mushrooms too. Yeah. So she's going to really like this one. Uh, yeah, I, well. <laughs> I mean, that, I, I wish we had more time because I'm yeah. like, how did you, why did you think you were going to find something down there? I, I could tell you all about it. <laughs> Stay tuned for a part two. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Delavi Sciences, yeah. where can we find your guys' socials? Where yeah, can everyone look for you? Sciences on Instagram, on X, on Twitter, I bet it's X. Yeah. You know, just, yeah. just to find Daily V Sciences. We've been in a bunch of magazines, a bunch of articles, all about the innovative science that goes into it because it's all patented, proprietary. You can't get it anywhere else. And all the data is there. Wow. Okay, just one last burning question. Yeah, of course. Where, if this bug comes from space, so where are you finding that? It doesn't you, come from space. Oh, you brought it and you brought it to <laughs> right. space. It's yeah. actually oh. an alien. Yeah, okay. It's, all they're right. in a lab. Well, so, I'm glad we cleared that so up. So there was an article. If you Google, <laughs> They'll be out later this year. <laughs> if you Google Daily Sciences Bacillus Lysate, there was an article that came out that said extraterrestrial ingredient lands in skincare. And, is it, and I'm like, it's not extraterrestrial. Oh my God. Okay, <laughs> we've cleared that up. <laughs> can we just pretend it's an alien? Yeah, That's I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. I can't wait to try it. Oh my awesome. God. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. no problem. It was awesome. I really fun. appreciate you. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.